grab a seat, and as you do, grab a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 15. I'll tell you what, after uh, the last year we've been through, as more and more of us get back together in the same room, isn't it good to hear the songs of the saints sung collectively? Like, who's with me on that? Just hearing the volume, hearing the volume in the room ministers to our hearts in a great way. Hey, uh, as Pastor Mark said, we're in the midst of this series. Uh, the way we talk about a disciple around here, we, we, we use these four W's, worship, walk, work, witness. And so it's really important. And we said in the first week of this series, why it's so crucially important uh, where we are as a church. We're like five and a half years old. We're moving into a new facility in a couple months. Like we got to be crystal clear on who we are as a ministry and what, when we talk about a disciple, what we mean by that. And so, so uh, this is a series to define uh, what we believe it means to follow hard after Jesus. Our prayer is that it's more than a series, that this just becomes a way of life, that we don't just look at these four W things as things we talk and do when we're together, but it just becomes the rhythm and the practices and the way in which we live. And so last week we looked at worship and we said worship is the response of praise and adoration to God because of who God is. And so I hope you watch the video uh, to just be equipped in the practices of that today we look at walk. And here's why I'm encouraged uh, by this whole idea of walk. Um, God is not a God who just beckons us to come worship him and then says, get out of my presence. Come, come bring your worship and then get out of here. We have an intimate uh, God who desires relationship, who desires to be near with us, who actually invites us to walk with him. Can you believe that? That the holy God who created the universe would say, come walk with me? Uh, a few years ago, Erica and I uh, went to a Good Friday service at a different church, and I had a lot of respect for this preacher. I kind of knew him, but we didn't really have a relationship. But uh, we ran into him in the lobby, and we're kind of catching up. And then, and then this preacher goes, hey, I'm not preaching tonight. Uh, come walk with me and come sit with me and my family. And I'm like, whoa. We just got invited to go walk and to sit with this person. There's something to being invited into relationship that's powerful. That illustration is minuscule compared to the power that it is to be invited into relationship with the God of the universe. He says, come walk with me. Now, this whole idea of walking is this illustration, this picture that we see throughout scripture. And if you've grown up in or around the church, it makes sense to you when we say a statement like this, I'm, I'm just stagnant in my walk with Christ right now. now. Now, if you've grown up around the church, you get what that means. But if you're newer to the church, you're like, what, what does that mean? You don't know how to translate that Christianese yet, right? What walk is and what we see in the scriptures is walk is this relationship with Jesus, this growing in a relationship with him. We see in the scriptures things like that. Uh, we're told to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. We're told that we're raised from the dead and are to walk in newness of life. We're told that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we might walk in them. And so when we talk about walk around here, here's what we're talking about. Walk is the daily rhythm of abiding in Christ that leads to increasing Christ-likeness. Walk is the daily rhythm of abiding in Christ that leads to increasing Christ-likeness. Each part of that statement matters deeply, but today I want to go right to the heart of that statement, right in the middle of that statement, and for us to collectively understand what does it mean to abide in Christ? Who's with me? Who wants to know what that means? Who's read John 15 a lot, and you're like, okay, but like, man, the passages that are like, don't steal are so clear to me. Lord, what does it mean to abide in you? 
And so we got to go right to the heart of that statement in order for it to become a daily rhythm and in order for it to help lead us into increasing Christ-likeness. And so fortunately for us, we have John 15 in which Jesus teaches us about abiding and what he means by that and what he calls us to with that. And so I want to read this whole section we're going to teach from today, and then I want to pray, and then I want to break it into three parts for us. And now let me give a disclaimer on these three parts. We're not actually going to get to the specifics about abiding until part three. You're like, then, then why are we talking about parts one and two? We have to go through parts one and two in order for us to even understand how to abide. If we go right to the practicals of abiding, we'll all leave here and we'll all try to do some stuff, but there won't be any power or doctrine to understand what in the world we're talking about. And so parts one and two lay the foundation for a life that abides. Part three gets us into the practice of what does it really mean to abide. So let me read this, John 15, and then then let me pray, and let's get into it. Jesus says, verse one, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love." These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Pray with me. Father, what a rich passage. How crucial for an understanding of of what it looks like for us to walk with you, to remain in you, to abide in you, to rest in you. And so, Father, we ask for spiritual eyes to see, as DJ already prayed, for spiritual ears to hear, Would you drain us of any false notions or false understandings of what this means? Would your spirit guide us into truth? Your word is truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So let me give us this first part here. Remember, we're laying the foundation to a life that abides, a walk that abides. The first part I want to unpack is this. I am either spiritually dead or spiritually alive. I am either spiritually dead or spiritually alive. Now, look back with me at verses one and two, and we got some things to unpack right here. Uh, Verse one, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, we need to understand a bit what's going on uh, 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 holistically in the book of John. This is the seventh of seven I am statements that Jesus makes in John's gospel, that John records for us in his gospel. And so let's look at these seven I am statements that Jesus makes here. And hey, can we worship as we walk through these? Like literally, let's put it to song, let's worship, right? No, no. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. 
I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then the seventh of seven that we see here in John 15, I am the true vine. Now, this picture that Jesus is using of being the true vine is powerful in and of itself of it being this picture of a grapevine. And we're going to unpack why Jesus uses this picture here in the midst of this teaching. But this, 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 this description of him being the true vine is even more powerful when we understand the deep Old Testament roots in which Jesus is talking about here. Throughout the Old Testament, God's people, the Israelites, would be called by God. You are to be this, you're to be this precious vine that I planted, and you are to bear fruit, but you just keep bearing these wild grapes, or you don't bear any fruit at all. D.A. Carson helps us understand a bit of the Old Testament richness of what Jesus is talking about here. He says, in the Old Testament, the vine is a common symbol for Israel, the covenant people of God. Most remarkable is the fact that whenever historic Israel is referred to under this figure, it is the vine's failure to produce good fruit that is emphasized, along with the corresponding threat of God's judgment on the nation. And so throughout the Old Testament, if you go back and read the prophets, you'll see like, you were to be this choice vine that I planted, you were to bear fruit in Israel, you have not done that. Enter Jesus and enter a statement when he says, I am the true vine. He didn't step on a pedestal to do that. But what he's saying here is, I'm going to bear the fruit Israel never could. I'm going to bear the fruit God's people never could and God's people never would be able to. But here's how we will bear this fruit. As God's people, if you remain in me, you will bear the fruit of God as the people of God to the glory of God. Amen. It's the only way to fruit bearing, he says. And so Jesus' statement of like, I am the true vine. They would understand, be like, whoa, rich Hebrew Bible understanding here. And Jesus makes this statement in the midst of a part of the book of John that we refer to as the farewell discourse. Any, any guesses on why it's called the farewell discourse? Because it's the last stuff he's talking about before he's going to go to the cross. And this most likely, this statement is happening while they're in transit from the upper room in the Last Supper over to the Garden of Gethsemane. Why do I say that? They're in the upper room. John 14 ends. And John 14 ends like this. It says, rise, let us go from here. I think you have this statement being made. I am the true vine in transit to the Garden of Gethsemane. Can you imagine the intensity of that moment? Now, that's a lot of information, but... Why does that all matter for us? Why is that a big deal? Because Jesus, have you ever said, man, it'd be so much easier to walk with Jesus if he was still like physically here. Like he would just stand up and walk and we'd be like, oh, I guess we're going. Like, let's walk with him. This, he's teaching his disciples what it means to abide and walk with him as he is going to physically leave their presence. Here's what it looks like to walk with me. And oh, by the way, I'm, I'm out of here soon physically. So this is good news for us to go, what does it look like for us to walk with Jesus when he's not necessarily right here physically with us? And then he gets to this teaching here of which I'm pulling the first part here that we're either spiritually dead or spiritually alive. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he what? He takes it away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. 
that it, may, that it may bear more fruit. Jesus describes two branches here. You are either spiritually dead, not bearing fruit to the glory of God, in which uh, if you're spiritually dead, you're not connected to the vine, you're not connected to Jesus Christ. It says the, the, the father, the master gardener, takes you away. Verse 6 actually intensifies the imagery of this. It, uh, verse 6 says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And so Jesus says, to steal what, how kind of Matt Chandler, pastor out of Dallas, talks about this, he says, you're either cut off or you're cut back. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are cut off. Jesus is clearly teaching that here. Uh, you are spiritually dead, bearing no fruit to the glory of God, and you will be separated from God forever in hell. Now it talks about those who are spiritually alive. It says those who are bearing fruit connected to the vine, they're not cut off, but they are, they are pruned. They are cut back. Why? For the purpose of bearing more fruit. And so um, we just got to understand the nature of these two branches here because we live in a culture and we live in a society that always wants to create a third branch. And the third branch is like, yeah, I know. They're not really bearing fruit, but I mean, they grew up in church and they, and they have a lot of knowledge and yeah, they're not bearing fruit, but certainly they're really saved. Jesus says there's two branches. We're either spiritually dead or we're spiritually alive. And those who are spiritually alive bear fruit to the glory of God. Those who are spiritually dead do not bear fruit. Now, let me, let me do something here because some of you are like, oh no! I cussed two weeks ago, I'm done. It's over. I'm spiritually dead. No, hold on. Let me comfort the afflicted right now and let me afflict the comfortable. <laughs> Comfort the afflicted. You cussed two weeks ago and you blew it. But what's your life look like two months ago? Or two years ago? Or for some of us in the room, 20 years ago? And you go... Well, I would have done that every day two years ago, right? You're growing in Christ-likeness. As we say around here a lot, not perfectly, but patternly. You're bearing increasing fruit to the glory of God. I'm not excusing your sin. I'm not excusing the temper tantrum and the blow-up. It's sin. It's wrong in the eyes of God. But you see the increasing Christ-likeness. Let me just comfort some of you who are afflicted and you hear passages like this and you're like, am I saved? I don't even know but now let me afflict the comfortable. If you think, yeah, 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 I like, I like prayed a prayer at eight, made a decision, like I'm fine. I have zero heart for Jesus. I never want to gather with his people. I don't care to be baptized and identify myself publicly with him. I never, re I don't care. If your life looks nothing like Christ and yet you're claiming, claiming to be an in Christ one, you're not. I, I love you. I'm not trying, I am trying to offend you in a good way. I'm trying to offend you with the gospel. But like we cannot, folks, continue to just perpetuate a third branch culture in which we can say, yeah, you're not bearing any fruit to the glory of God, but like you're good, you're fine. It's antithetical to the gospel. And Jesus is teaching two branches right here. 
Those who are connected into the vine, bearing fruit to the glory of God, spiritually alive. Those who are not bearing fruit to the glory of God because they have no connection and will be cut off and will be judged forever in hell, separated from God. Now, Holy Spirit, please be guiding hearts and souls because we should be asking, how do we know that we're saved? How do, we, how do we know what it means to be uh, connected into the vine of Christ? Praise God for verse 3. Verse 3, Jesus looks at them. Remember, the traitor Judas has left. He's in transit, in my understanding, to Gethsemane with the 11 true disciples. There's more who are actually following Jesus, but the 11 disciples are left who are truly following him, truly in him. Jesus looks at them and he says, already you are, and what's the word you have in the ESV that we preach from? You, already you are you are clean, same root word as this idea of pruning, and that's why like the New Living Translation translates verse three, you have already been pruned and purified. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you are clean, already you are pruned and purified. How, Jesus? Because of the word, the logos that I have spoken to you. And we're all like, okay, what's the magic word? What did he say? The idea of Jesus' logos or his word is the message he came to bring. And he came to bring a message that's called gospel, good news. And the message that Jesus came to bring, and we know how passionate Jesus was about this message because like early on in his ministry, he'd had a long night of healing people, casting out demons. Early in the morning, he sneaks away from Peter's house and they get up and all the disciples are like, ah, there's still a ton of people to heal and a ton of demons to be cast out. Where did Jesus go? And they go off and find him. And he'd been in an early morning prayer session and he looks at them and he's like, hey guys, here's the deal. Uh, let's head to the next town because I came to preach the gospel. He came to preach this logos, this message, this good news. What is it? The good news is that all of us are dead in our sin. The good news has to start there. Y'all, we're dead in our sin. There is zero spiritual pulse. There is zero spiritual lifeblood in us. But he, Jesus, has come as the resurrection and the life, as he's already said in this gospel. He has come to raise the dead to life. Some of you walked in here dead and you're going to walk out alive in Christ. He literally came to raise the dead. You had zero spiritual pulse when you walked in and you will walk out alive in Christ. How does that happen? It happens by the John 3.16 awesome reality. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not be like a branch that's lopped off and thrown in the fire but will have everlasting. This is how he's come to do it. He has come and he has invited us to believe in this message, this word, this logos that he has brought. Come believe. Come believe. I'm inviting you into this message. And he looks at these 11 in the transit to Gethsemane. He's like, already you are pruned and purified because of the word that I have brought that you have embraced by faith. And so I look at us today and I say, if you're in this room today and you're hearing the reality, this isn't my words. This is what Jesus taught. And if you're like, Jesus would never teach like eternal damnation. It's right here. 
And sure, we sugarcoat love in our culture to say, don't talk about those things. Jesus, the most loving figure who ever walked two feet on this earth, says it right here. And he invites us out of the cut-off branch state by saying, believe in this gospel message that I have brought, that you're dead in your sin, that I have come in the resurrection of the life, and I invite you to myself by faith. Will you believe that today? Will you believe that today? If the Holy Spirit right now, and if you're like, I don't even know what that means, if you're sensing the conviction on your heart in such that you feel like this passage is making a beeline for your heart, today is the day you must surrender in faith to Jesus who has come to take you from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Tell him right now, Jesus, I see my sin. I see that you are the resurrection and the life. You will raise me out of the sin and give me life. And today I believe in you. Tell him that right now. Because the second part we see here before we can even get into a walk with Christ is this. Life comes by believing in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Believe that today. Tell him right now. Lord, I believe this. I surrender myself to you. I receive your spiritual life. Call me out of my deadness. Call me into life. Tell him that. In your own words, cry out to him. And now... Only now can we talk about how to actually walk with him. Now that we've settled on the fact that there is only two states, there is no third branch, we are either spiritually dead or we are spiritually alive, we've settled now, how do we get called into spiritual life? I plan dramatic fashion. How do we get called into spiritual life by believing in the message that Jesus has brought, this gospel that we're dead, he's the resurrection and life, we can believe in this and receive life in Christ. Now we get to the abundant blessings of this fact that he doesn't just save us, he calls us to walk with him in relationship, y'all. He walks with us in this, and this leads us to this third part, we now walk in newness of life. We now walk in newness of life. So when we talk about walking with Christ at our church here, we're talking about what it looks like for us to walk in this newness of life. Look at the command here, verse 4. Abide in me. It's a command. Abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, say it, say it, church. For apart from me, say it again, you can do nothing. Man, do I believe that? Can I just be honest with you? I operate, a lot of, I, I, I operate a lot of days in a lot of ways like I can accomplish a lot of things without Jesus. You're going to leave me up here? You're going to give me some amens on that? You're just going <laughs> to leave me on the island here? I think we all agree we operate a lot of days and in a lot of ways like we can do a lot of things apart from Jesus. And he says, you can't do jack. It's there. It's in the Greek. It is. I promise. <laughs> you can't do anything 
that will produce God-glorifying fruit apart from me. So back to this picture that he uses. He says, I am the vine. I'm the vine. And so you just break this down. I'm no master grape vinologist, okay? But you look at this off on the right side. You look at the, the, the breadth of the vine that is producing all of the life that's flowing up through this. You look at the branches that come off of the vine. You look at the fruit that is produced and hanging off the branches here. Jesus says, I'm the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Abide in me. To remain in me. Rest yourself in the vine. Let the life of the vine flow through you as branches so that you will bear fruit to the glory of God. I mean, you think of uh, the book of Galatians that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How in the world could we ever muster those up on our own? Brock, be patient today. Be patient. Two-year-old walks in the room. I'm, I'm not patient. <laughs> we can't muster those up. The only way fruit is born to the glory of God is by us resting, remaining, staying right there connected to the vine. Now, you know, I said at the outset, like, I've always like, okay, what does it mean to abide? Like, how do I understand what it means to abide? Um, for me, this might, you might hear this and go, that doesn't help me at all, and I'm sorry if it doesn't. I, what often will come to mind for me as I think about abiding in Christ is just the word yield, yielding, this idea of yielding. I think, we, you know, we all know what this sign means on the road. We yield to the one with the right-of-way. And so as a branch connected to the one who's the life source, I yield to you. I'm not going to just set out and try to strive my way through this and create my own plan. I'm, I'm seeking to yield to you, Jesus, to just let your life flow into me. A couple ways this plays out, Lord willing, as I submit myself to him day by day, is I yield myself in spiritual disciplines. Instead of me coming to the word each day, imposing on it what I want to say, I, I yield myself under it, and I say, Lord, you're the authority, this is your word, and I'm yielding myself to you. What do you have to say? How are you leading? I, we yield ourselves in prayer. Jesus models this in the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Versus coming to this with a belief, go back to that grapevine picture, uh, coming to this with a belief that we're actually the life source, just saying like, hey, Lord, here's, one I here's what I want to get done today, okay? Can you stamp approval on that? No, no, no. We yield ourselves in prayer to say, I'm the one abiding in you. You have to lead and feed my life today. We yield ourselves in the daily moment-to-moment -moment things that happen. Okay, you're like, I'm yielding, I'm seeking to abide. Lord, what do you want for my day? I'm, okay, I don't think he wants me to go to work tomorrow. I'm just sensing that. <laughs> no, no. We let the word of God guide the way we yield to the spirit, the way we abide. But as we walk into work abiding, 
letting Jesus lead our day, you sense a prompting, go over to this cubicle, go over to this desk, go talk with this coworker and pray with them. And you're like, what? We're yielded, we're abiding, we're letting him lead and feed us through the day. The vine has to lead and feed the branch. The vine has to provide the life source. And that's what we're seeking to do. What if at all of our funerals one day, the triumphant message that was celebrated was, you know what? I just saw a whole lot of Christ in them. Praise the Lord. About 10 years ago, it's the day after a funeral. I follow up with an unbeliever who was at the funeral of uh, someone we both knew. And this unbeliever was mad. He was agitated. And I said, what is, what, like, what's going on? What, why are you stirred up? He said, because that, I thought that was bull yesterday. I'm like, what was bull? They talked more about Jesus than they did about John. And I said, and John would have rejoiced. And John would have rejoiced. This is us as branches yielding to Jesus as the life source. Now, look, throughout this passage, I want to unpack this. When we do this, when we, when we walk in this newness of life, abiding in Christ, letting him lead, letting him feed, letting him flow in and through us and guide our life, I, you see five characteristics that I want to quickly walk through of what this abiding walk then produces, what it looks like. So let's look at these five characteristics of an abiding walk. The first thing that we see throughout this is we bear fruit. There is no fruit bearing, as I've said throughout this message, without abiding in Christ. Six times in these 11 verses, you see bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. Another seventh time, the, the idea of bearing fruit is implied. This is about abiding so that we bear fruit. That's the only way we can bear fruit to the glory of God. The second characteristic we see of an abiding walk is this. We see prayers answered. Look at what it says in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, this is not some, some false, some bogus, um, 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 name it and claim it theology. This is the deep reality that one, us, who are abiding in Christ, have our hearts centered on Jesus Christ. We begin to pray with your kingdom come, your will be done, heart. We're praying in alignment with the will of God. And, and we're not only praying in alignment with what God is willing, we're rejoicing in his will. And so when we see him answer those prayers, it leads to our joy because our hearts are abiding in him. We're asking, Lord, we want to see this, and we know you want to see this, and Lord, we're pleading you for this. This isn't, oh, I see that Rolls Royce, Lord, and you tell me? John 15, that's bogus. It's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. We see prayers answered as we abide in the Lord. Third thing, we rest in his love. Come on now. Who needs rest today? We rest in his love. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Think about that. Think about what that just said. 
as the perfect heavenly father has loved the perfect second person of the Trinity son, Jesus says, that's how I love you. Now he says, abide in that. Hold on, no, no, just, 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 just sit on down and just stay right there in that. I love you like that. But Jesus, remember, I blew it two weeks ago. I cut, yeah, I love you like that. I love you. And as we abide in him, we abide in his love. We rest in that love. We let his life flow into us. We let his love flow into us. Fourth thing we see clearly in this passage is we have power to obey. We have power to obey. This is so important. Right? We show up at church. We show up to the word. We see a lot of uh, commands. But where's the power come from to obey these commands? Continue on from verse 9. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Let me read 9 and 10 together. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Rest in that love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Uh, We obey out of the deep understanding of his love already for us. Don't get that backwards. You don't obey to earn Jesus' love. You obey flowing out of the love, of abiding in the love that Jesus has already shown you. Like, that's really important for us now. If you're looking at your life and you're like, man, I'm sen- I, I, I sense these patterns of disobedience in my life, the first thing you need to trace back to is where, am I, where, where is unbelief manifesting itself and not believing and resting in the love that Jesus has already shown me? Because if I, if I believe that, if I'll rest in that love, it'll drive me, it'll compel me to obedience. So many of us are struggling in obedience because we're not, we're not just resting in the love that Jesus has already shown us. I could, go, I could go for days on that, okay? But we have power to obey as we rest in his love. Don't get that backwards. The fifth thing we see here is we receive his joy. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Hold on. Now, everyone, everyone in the room quiet. Everyone in the room quiet. Will you read verse 11 quietly yourself? Roof, be quiet. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. All in favor of that, say aye. aye. Come on. But it doesn't come as we like, okay, to this week I'm going to focus on getting Jesus' joy. It focuses on we just remain and abide in him, letting his life flow into us, letting his love flow into us, letting his joy saturate our life into fullness. These are the, the, the promises, the characteristics of what an abiding walk with Jesus looks like. Now, uh, we've said every week, you get an equipping video after Sunday that gets you into more of the practicals of, of okay, now, what are some practical ways we can uh, lean into a, a life, a walk that abides with Christ? And so uh, watch this teaser video from this week's equipping video. Thank you. 
there, there's a quote that I, I've written it in the front of my Bible, and it, it's it's helpful for me. Uh, Dr. Howard Hendricks, he's sort of like the, the godfather of inductive Bible study, and he said this, knowledge that is self-discovered is stored in the deepest part of the mind and remains the longest in the memory. Think about that. Think about something that you had to learn for yourself. Think about something that you took the time and dove in and you're like, I'm interested in this topic and I want to learn it versus something that a teacher taught you that you didn't really care about. And he's continued by saying this, there is no jewel more precious than the one you have mined yourself. The first step for inductive Bible study is observation. And so I just want to uh, kind of turn to uh, make an observation. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What pronoun is the writer, is David, using for God? He. Him. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. David is in the first couple of verses describing what he knows of the Lord. But in the second few verses, he's talking to the Lord. And so as we gather in discipleship groups or around your table as a family or in your living room, uh, we want to walk through these practices. And, and I'll just share with you these practices of walk that we've identified. Uh, the first one is this. We have an intentional plan for regular Bible study and other spiritual dis disciplines. Regular plan for prayer, Bible study, and other spiritual disciplines. Is that part of the walk, the rhythm of your life? And, and these aren't just legalistic checklist things. Like, no, it's because we want to uh, be people who abide. And we turn to the word of God, we turn to prayer to God, talking to God to grow in a life that abides in him. The second thing we're going to unpack in this video is that we're regularly evaluating our life and habits in light of God's truth. I'm regularly evaluating my life and habits in light of God's truth. That we take time in our life to reflect and to evaluate, to look at the fruit of our life, to be honest about it. And then this third way is I'm in vulnerable spiritual relationships with other believers. It's so important. And that's why we do discipleship groups around here. And I would just say, I just want to, uh, two, two challenges. One, if you're not in a discipleship group, highly encourage you to get in one. Uh, it's just the place that we want to see vulnerable spiritual relationships happen. If you're like, we, we got to do that. We got to get into one. Uh, go to our website, redeemerbible.church. Go to the menu, click on small groups, fill out this form, and we will get you connected into a small group. Small groups page on the website, fill out this form, and let's get you connected into, uh, we, it's just not possible for us to do the depth of vulnerability we need to with a group this size and a room this big. And if you're like, tried that, I, I, frankly, it just, uh, it was underwhelming. Uh, let me just tell you something. We don't do this because we're trying to show up every week for some like mountaintop spiritual high. We do this because we need each other. And can I just be honest? Much of life is just underwhelming. Like lower your expectations. Y'all, I'm on it today, okay? I'm on it. I love you. But much of life is just us gathering, doing life together. Like, I can't, I wish I could, I just, I can't go into it, but I would just say, like, we need this, and some weeks there will be the spiritual mountaintop, and many weeks you'll go, okay, 
we gathered, we walked down to the basement, I confessed sin. I told my brothers, like, guys, here's where I need you pressing into my life. We just need that as a rhythm in our life. We do. And then um, some of you have been around here long enough. Can I come at you one more time today? Can I come at you one more? Some of you have been around here long enough, and you're not leading a discipleship group, and I love you. You need to be. Part of the ongoing problem of, uh, at our church has been we're a five-year-old church in a 15- or 20-year-old body. If everyone in our congregation went to that and signed up for a discipleship group this week, we wouldn't have enough groups to lead them. And some of you, I'll turn around, but I'm looking at some of you, okay? <laughs> some of you, you've been around here long enough. You got to walk with Jesus that needs to be leading a discipleship group. How do you do that? Send Brian an email at brian at redeemerbible.church. Um, prank emails are welcome, okay? So I'll just say, <laughs> you got his email there, send it. But seriously, seriously, um, Man, I'm just praying that some of you or some of you couples will step up and go, you know what, you're right. Like, I think it's time to have a conversation um, about what that could look like. And so please step into that. Always remember with every one of these weeks, Redeemer Resources, uh, redeemerresources.church is where you'll go to find all these resources, all these equipping videos. Redeemer, stand to your feet and let me send us out of here today. Uh, praise the Lord as we leave that we have a heavenly father who doesn't just beckon us to come worship and send us out of his presence once we have. He invites us to walk with him in an intimate relationship. Amen to that? Amen. And he invites us to abide in him, to let his life flow into us so that we will bear fruit to the glory of God. Redeemer, you are loved, you are sent. If you've never been to step one, we want to meet you right over here after the service. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.